Kevin, we have made it all the way to episode 17. Here's my question for you. Who is your favorite number 17 ever to play hockey? Milan Lucic. Attaboy. Good job. I, I didn't, we, just for some transparency, we did not plan that. So I was, I was hoping you hit it and you, you did right out of the park. What do you want me to say, Nick Foligno? <laughs> yeah, Fliggy. I did the last yeah. two games and kind of It's pretty, but... pretty good. Always be Mr. Lucic. Yeah, no, agreed, definitely. I mean, everyone ass kicker. Yeah, exactly. I, uh, as a kid, I had a in my like playroom. I had a Milan Lucic huge poster right up on the wall. Whenever I was playing NHL, I'd be looking up, looking up at it as I was just mashing the Y button trying to fight everyone. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just classic, classic Bruins fan stuff. Uh, how do you feel about our Bruins? How do you feel about what you've seen in this West Coast wagon tour? I, I love what we see what we've seen. Um they finally found the balance in the lines, especially with Jake DeBrus coming up to the first. He just looks natural, he looks comfortable. That speed is just opening up so much for Marjan and Bergeron. And as we've seen over the years, Bergeron just he knows how to feed guys. And he's getting DeBrus the puck at the perfect time. And it's leading to all these goals, as we saw in that first period into the Kings. When Dust DeBrus had a natural hat trick, like it was just unreal. It was electric. Like it's crazy. He's just flying around. It, it's been made. I mean, even like it, it's just been so major. And obviously, like Kevin and I have done our best for the podcast to watch every minute of these last six games. But it's been tough. Like it's been a grind. Like I think we need a little pat in the back here. I'm gonna no, moment of silence for the grind we've gone through. All right. Yeah, it's been a grind. You know, we've we've watched all the highlights after we've probably both watched two periods of every game and then passed out in the third period, then rewatched the third, trying to give you the best analysis. But one thing I can promise you is Jake DeBrusque has looked like a different player, a complete different player. We can jump right into it now. I know we had it kind of down on the sheet, but I I bounce back and forth so much between should we trade DeBrusque, should we not? But uh, his agent's still coming out and saying he wants to be traded. He's not saying anything other than all the right things, but he won't say he doesn't. He wants to be a part of the Bruins still. I look at it, and to me, it's it's time to move on. It's time to trade him when his value is high. I was reading online that the Bruins are asking for a first-round pick and a player or a first-round pick and a prospect. If we can get that for Jake DeBrusque, then so be it. Like, it's go time. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that. Like, it gives you hope that, like, Finding the balance like we have and having him there, like it's needed for a cup run. But you have to look the future. Like even though it's nice to see the season go, hopefully win a cup, we may not just be there yet. So if you're able to settle down, look at the future, put everything in a big perspective, and like you said, get a first and a player, a first and a prospect, and start building. Where hey, yeah. in three in three years. You're gonna have. You may have two pick prospects now that are gonna contribute when you have all these other guys like Fabian Lysel and Mason Laurie when these guys are coming up to build this team and they should help continue the build. Yeah, it's it's simply like it's just tough for me to to disagree with that. Like it's as much as right. The Bruins have gone on a great run right now, and I'm very happy. And they're proving that they could win against anyone if they play hard and if 
they have the opportunity to go out and get drunk in Vegas after. But like, I just, I really like, I look at it and I'm like, it was, it, it's hard, right? Because this week kind of gave me, put me back into my like, just little Homer seat where I sit here and I'm like, the Bruins could do it in the back of my head, you know? But at the same time, I don't know if this team has the perfect makeup to win a cup. And when the going gets tough, as good as Jake DeBrusque is playing, I don't know how much he really, really helps. Because if he gets a slump in the playoffs, then it's just, it's like we did all this for nothing, right? So I really do think that if the opportunity arises and it's the right deal, the Bruins make the trade. And I, I mean, if you can get a first round pick back for Jake DeBrusque, it's a wash, right? Yeah. At that point, because that's what he is. That's what he's worth. If you get a first round pick and a prospect, a first round pick and anything else, I'm, I'm happy with it. Because we have to move on from him. We do. It, it doesn't, as much as he's playing good and I like Jake and I wish he wanted to be a Bruin, he doesn't want to be a Bruin. So how long do you want to keep playing guys who don't want to be there long term? It just doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? For the longevity of the team. And it's tough, but it just is what it is, right? What are we going to do? Yeah, you can't force a guy to be here if he doesn't want to be here. No. Just going to bring him down. And you've seen it when you have unhappy players. It never works out. Never. So it's just like, it's just not worth trying to do that, I don't, in my opinion. I mean, everyone has different opinions on it. I know, like, I've argued back and forth with a few people this week about it. And the more I really think about it, it's the best time to move on from Jake DeBrusque is right now. The stock could not be higher. You know what I mean? Yeah, because he's showing what, hey, I may have my slums, but when I'm hot. Yeah, that's the reality. I put up seven so goals in five games. No yeah, problem. <laughs> I know. And that's what and I even, mean. And, and they were like, some of them were like grinding goals. Some of them, they were, it's, it was all around great. So like, I mean, it's tough to really argue with, but there's some other highlights though right now, you know, like let's get off DeBrusque, which has this negative connotation around him because I've been pretty happy with the Bruins. And I think for the first time, and it took us 17 episodes to get here, my question marks in the Bruins net are starting to disappear. I'm confident with Swayman as our 1A and Olmark as our 1B. I really am. Jeremy Swayman in the last month has blown me away. Blown me away. He's sitting at a 1.95 goals against average. I think it's like a 9-something. I'll look it up. 9.44 save percentage. And he was just the rookie of the month. How do you feel about Jeremy Swayman? Yeah, he had an unreal month of February. He had five, what was that? He was like 5-0-1 with a 9.60 save percentage. And like a one six goals against. Yeah, so for the season, the season he's sitting at a nine thirty, which is great. And goal, it's like third in the NHL. And then his goals against average is tied for first at one point nine five. So that uh, just brings me back to my point I made a hundred times that Swayman was always the guy, but things were awkward, and the Bruins did what they had to do. But still, it's been awesome. Yeah. So here's my thing. Do you think, even though he hasn't played a lot? They came on their legs, the whole RAS situation. Do you think Swayman has a chance for the Calder Trophy? It's so tough, right? Because I didn't. And then now I'm starting to think, like, he he should at least be in the running. Like, I think he'll if he keeps up this pace, he'll finish in the top four. And I apologize yeah. to all the Bruins fans out there that read my Calder Trophy article, and it didn't include Swayman. Yeah, it's just, like, because we just weren't really thinking about him as much like that. I mean... I forget a lot of times that he's a rookie at the same time because, like, we've been been excited for him for the last two years and we get to see him play last year. But still, I I have – I'm actually starting to shift on who I think could win the Calder. If Moritz Sider keeps on this track of being a dominant, like, number one defenseman in Detroit, he might edge out Raymond and Zegras. 
But those three are all so talented. It's going to be one of the three of them. I just have a hard time thinking Swayman breaks into that top three, purely in the fact that he's a goalie and that he got sent down and that whole little, just that little awkward stretch there. But if Swayman keeps up this pace, which I think he will, he's going to make a real case for it. That's for sure. You know, I definitely think if Swayman was out here 1A the whole season, making 40 starts, doing what he was doing all 40 starts, then he definitely would have a real chance. But I think just coming on later in the season and just that smaller sample size, just it makes it tough. Yeah, no, it, that's the biggest thing is you're 100% right there. It's the sample size. Like, I mean, hey, everyone's saying Ilya Sorokin's a runaway for the Vesna, But, or whatever, is it Shesterkin? Shesterkin. Shesterkin. Mix up those Ruskies. We'll get into the Ruskies in a bit, those fucking bastards. But um, <laughs> Swayman, like, he, he he's in first and third in the two major goaltending categories, and he's top 10 in shutouts. Tough to not say that Swayman could be a Vesna candidate. He'd need to get the lion's share of a lot of the rest of the games. But he might. I mean, Bruce is tipping his hand. Bruce's hand is now. Oh, been we've seen it. It's been we've tipped. Seen it. it is tipped. Especially in this West Coast trip. Yep, it's been tipped. It's that simple. It is this is Jeremy Swayman's net to lose. And don't get me wrong, I like Olmark. Like, I'm not against Olmark. I think Olmark's been solid. Did he he you know, he lost the game against the Ducks. It really wasn't his fault, though. Like that first goal, like they just let him in and bing bong and then Late, you know, it sucks with 20 seconds left, but Trevor Zegras, as I've said the whole season, he's very good at hockey. He finds a way to score. They missed their mark on him. He shifted up top, and he got a great shot off, and he scored a goal. That's the game against the Ducks we lose. But really, like, let's just take a quick look into the Bruins' last games, right? Like, what they've been able to do over this last stretch is pretty awesome, right? They've played some great – they've played some good teams in this. So let's jump. Where do you want to start at? You want to start at the Avalanche? Yeah, so we, we beat the Avs last Monday five, on February 21st. So not last Monday, but the one before 5-1. Come in, we beat the Kraken in overtime, which was a shaky game, but we had already talked about this one, and I was like, hey, I'm happy with it. 3-2 win. Now this is where it really gets good. So we beat the Sharks 3-1, another game that it's like, eh. Going into LA against the Kings. I told you that day, the Kings are the Kings are better team this year. They're a lot yeah, better and they were, team. And they were fighting for win streak, too. That we was come out, we light them up 7-0. That's when I'm like, oh, wow, this team really wants to do something. We go to the Ducks, which I had told us in the last podcast was my circled loss. The Bruins had to lose a game on this trip simply because they're a bunch of 20- and 30-year-old millionaires who are spending too much time out in California not to go and get after it after a four-game win streak, five-game win streak. That, that was literally my thought process. And I, I was listening to – I always listen to Morning Brew with Razor and Billy Jaffe, and they said, like, you have to circle a loss on this trip because they're going to get after it. They're like, and then if they win, if they win in Vegas, like we did, don't expect anything crazy tomorrow and against Columbus. This is their recovery day already, but still, I mean, they the Bruins spent the night last night in Vegas, and after a five-two win with three goals in the third, Bruce Cassidy gave him the green light. I can promise you that. Yeah, and who whose thirtieth birthday is it today? Thirtieth birthday? Yeah, one yeah. of the players has a birthday. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, so they were out celebrating that too. So. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Like that. That's the thing. It's just. I, I luckily we're playing Columbus, but I don't I don't want Bruins to over Bruins fans to overreact if we don't have the exact output against the Blue Jackets. Then we'll be back to play Monday at home against uh, the Kings, which will be nice. So you know, overall, I'm really happy with how the Bruins have looked in this last little bit. A um, couple like 
players who are starting to show signs. Like it's really, it's been deep throughout the whole roster. Right. So I look at Trent Frederick, he's been fighting, he's been putting up points, he's been skating faster and he's getting compliments from his coach. Have you liked Freddie's game? Dude, yeah, I was so happy when Freddie dropped the gloves in that Kings game. You know, that game did start at 1030. It was worth staying up for. I did watch the whole game on that one. So, yeah, just seeing Freddie being Freddie, that's – I think that's the thing. It's like they're allowed – Freddie, he's feeling comfortable. And it's like, hey, go do your game. Like, you're a big body guy. You're going to fight. You're going to get to the dirty areas. And you're going to make plays for your teammates. And that's exactly what he's doing. And like, that's what he, you can't be more than happy than what you're getting out of Frederick on that third line. So I'm definitely heavy, happy. I've always been a big Freddie guy. So it's good to see him finally finding his groove. Yeah. I, I mean, I really do think Freddie's finding his groove. He had three nice assists last night. Like none of them were like just little bing bong plays. They're all nice assists where he was one of the primary people passing the puck. Um, yeah. That one like pass his first goal. Like yeah, just feed oh, the pass like yeah. that. And then even after he made the pass, he rushed right into that net to make sure that puck was going in. Like, yeah, Freddie's doing the right things. And I think it's something that Bruins fans should really, really be excited about because he's moving in the right direction. And he's getting the right comments from Bruce Cassidy. I mean, Cassidy said that he has an elite underrated shot that is going to start to go in. We haven't quite seen that yet, but we're seeing him starting to move and make plays and – Got to remember at 24 years old, like we can't expect the world that these kids too young. Right. And that's like, I think one of the biggest problems with just pro hockey right now, we saw so many guys like McDavid and Matthews and these guys like Clayton Keller and Eichel, they all came in so early as first round picks. And they set a new standard for when you need to be NHL ready. And even, even guys like Taylor Hall and Tyler Sagan, they were kind of that, mid-wave of those guys who came in right away and made an impact. But it's but time to realize, like, 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 it takes yeah, some guys time. Like, people like Jack Hughes start off slow, but he's starting to find his groove in his third year. Yeah, and in his fourth year next year, Jack Hughes, I think, is going to be, like, a top 15 player in the NHL. Like, he he's that good, but it takes these guys some time. Yeah. And I think Trent Frederick's one of those guys. Don't get me wrong. Trent Frederick's never going to be a first-round player, first-line player. But he most definitely is going to be a strong third line winger, a third line center. Who the Bruins are going to, ha- they're going to, you're going to look at Trent Frederick in three years if he's still on this Bruins team, be like, that's an anchor of our bottom six. So it's tough to be mad at really. Like, I, it's it's tough to be mad about anything that we've seen lately. Like Nick Felino had a Gordy Howe hat trick the other night. That's what you wanted of him. That's what he. That is Nick Felino as advertised. He can fight. He can play. Make. He can score a goal. That's what we needed of Felino. If we can't find a way to kind of keep that going it's going to be tough and i think we're gonna see him take a trip upstairs i I really do but he's five games away from his thousandth game the bruins aren't going to do that he's going to get to his thousandth game before that happens if he doesn't get moving or at least stay moving because i think he's played pretty good the last couple games I think that's going to be a problem with Felino. I really do. And I, I don't want to see another David Backus situation. I don't want to see another well-respected player come to Boston, hate his time here, and become a casualty of a bad contract. Like, I, I don't want that for him. You know what I mean? I want to see him have success. So I'm hoping that they can find a way to get that out of him, you know? Yeah. So um, sticking with that fourth line, what are your thoughts on uh, was it Jasper Froden? Yeah, I – He's been okay. 
he's been i mean he hasn't been bad by any means he hasn't been great either i don't like i have no opposition to what he's done and i know he's been really good in providence i do um i just i would rather see oscar steen in that spot you know what i mean i just but it's just it's tough like i i think i have a bias to the fact he is to the fact that he's 27 years old you know I just look at it and it's like, uh, like I just think we could maybe fit a younger guy in that spot and start to develop him. Maybe a guy like, like if we're where our fourth line right now is not really a grinding fourth line. It's like a skilled fourth line that plays hard. Like we can't, we can't give Zach Shenishin a chance there. You know what I mean? And I don't know if I'm the one who's wrong here and like he's been fine, but it just throws me off a bit. I don't know. I'm not a big, fr- I don't know. I'm just not a big Froden guy. He hasn't been bad. Like he hasn't been bad. He just hasn't. Hey, you got robbed on that one goal the other night. I know. But like he he hasn't done anything to really like wow me. I don't know if am I wrong here? I don't know. No, I agree. There's just no wow factor. It's he's been decent. He's been he's been a fourth liner. Just yeah. really not. Exactly. That's kind of like that's the reality. They of put it, him right? in there and he's been the motor. It just goes, goes, goes. Yeah. And I'm not like I mean, it's just yeah. He hasn't been bad, so like I think I'm kind of giving him a tough rap like i mean if he can if he can add a little offense and play hard then he fits that fourth line role but like i don't i don't like seeing him in the lineup at the expense of curtis lazar like i like i like lazar you know what i mean so it's just it's all kind of throws me off a bit with that but still they're winning so like who am i like who am i to talk about it yeah so since january 1st the bruins are 19 8 and 2 yeah pretty good record right the you second stay- best since january 1st the only yeah. better one was what the Avalanche. Yeah, and so. and that's where like we sit here and we've been like pessimistic for weeks on our outlook of the Bruins, and it's like it's really in our heads because the Bruins are starting to really roll in the right direction, and they're proving they can beat anyone. So it's like, do we? It it puts me in such a weird place going to the trade deadline and like what I want them to do, and it's almost like if the right move present itself presents itself, then make it. I'm not a hundred percent bought in on this year's team. If it's the right move and you can get yourself a player with term and a decent age that can be part of this next core, go for it. Do whatever you need to. Do not sell the farm for a veteran like Claude Giroux is not going to resign in Boston. That's like yeah, really, like, that's what just that's what I'm holding on to. Yeah, I feel like that's like the Bruins like it's in such a weird spot because you have this veteran group, Bergie and Marshy, that you're trying to win now for, but then you also have such a big mixture. Of all the young guys, like Pasta and McAvoy and Sway, so you know this prospects coming up. So it's tough to find that balance of what you want to do. Do you want to? You don't want to just toss in the towel because it's Boston. You better be playing for playoffs every year, trying to win a championship. But it's also like, like you said, you don't want to mortgage the future. You don't want to sell the farm because you need that balance. Where yeah, you're trying to win now, but you need to be able to sustain this winning for years to come. So it is a difficult spot. So we'll see what Sweeney does. Definitely going to be interesting. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree 1000%. It's like, we're, we're going to see what we're going to see how this goes. We really are. Um, and 21st, we're almost there, right? We're freaking 17 days away from 
the trade deadline. So things are going to get exciting in the next two weeks. And I will definitely have a trade deadline episode, and we're going to be heavy on all of it, trying to get as many rumors. Maybe we'll try to break a trade or guess a trade, something. But yeah, I, maybe I, have Carter come back on. Yeah, the Bruins are going to be in the mix. That's that's for damn sure. Like I have no question about that. They're going to be in the mix for someone who we want them to get, someone who we don't want them to get. They'll probably end up with someone decent and some guy we're like, what? Why are they here? And that's usually what they do. Or maybe they'll trade Anders Bjork in the second-round pick for Taylor Hall. So, really, we don't know. We have no idea. And I don't want to act like we know. A couple more things here, right? Let's just circle back to one thing we forgot. Craig Smith played great last night. Craig Smith has been snake-bitten all year. He had six goals going into last night's game. Thank God for the hat trick. Puts him at nine. If we can get Craig Smith hot and that third line hot, the Bruins are a completely different team. It's that simple. Craig Smith will drive that line with Coyle and Freddie as their goal scorer. We need that. How do you like how like we just we simply need it? Yeah, no, I love things like coming in. He's had zero goals in 12 games, and then he said he went for the hat trick. And just that whole line, yeah, like from Freddie's feeds to Coyle. Coyle had that beautiful pass, like the cross crease pass hit. Hit him like Robin Leonard wasn't even looking and just Smith sniped it in. So I know you got it. Like, that's the thing. Like, if you have DeBrus, Marshan, and Bergey score on the first, and then you have Hall and Poss on the second score goals, and then you have your third line of Smith's going, Coyle's going, Freddie's going, that's what you need. Like, that's how you from- go out west and you have literally a perfect trip. Almost. That's, right. that's 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 what happens. That's it. And our whole thing here is this whole season, this whole like, and Marshy and, and don't forget, Marshy's been playing good on this trip, but he hasn't been eating. Like he yeah, will. he's had so many opportunities. Yeah. just like he hasn't like played that. He's getting a lot of shots, but when Marshawn gets back on the score sheet, like he could, like there's he has had so many chances in the last couple of games where like you know Marshawn's a game or two away from. Back out. Yeah, and he hasn't played bad. Like, don't, like he hasn't played bad at all. But it's we are right there. Yeah, and like one thing we've talked about through all these episodes is what do the Bruins need? Secondary scoring, and that's what you're finally getting. So. Yeah, and you know what's funny? Like the Bruins, we had this exact conversation earlier in the season. Then we lost Marshy. We went through that little lull. Weird shit happened, and we got all down on him. Now the secondary scoring showing they can do it again. I think the biggest thing for the Bruins secondary scoring is they need the primary scoring to be there leading the way. So they slot yeah. into their correct roles. When everyone is in their right spot, the Bruins are a good team. Are they a great team? I don't know. But they are a good team. And that's kind of that. That's I, I'm almost ready to wrap it up on that with the Bruins. We jump into some other topics around the league. Wait, can we talk about uh, Posse real quick? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Yep, nope. Yeah, no. So as everyone who ever watched last night, Posse had two goals, which puts him at the 30-goal mark. For the fifth time in his yep. career, which is huge. And the big thing about with Pasta, though, is he's had 23 of those goals since January 1st, which is showing how much this win streak and Pasta are connected and how once their Pasternak is going, oh, he's going. He's coming. So do you know who the only other player to have five seasons with 30 goals before 25 is in Bruins history? Or 426, I guess, as a 25-year-old. Yes. No. Cam Neely. Cam Neely. Cam Neely, only other player. The only other active Bruins player on this list 
of on this like top list of 30 goal seasons. Do you know who that is? Bergeron. Yeah. Marjan. No, Bergeron. Bergeron is six. I think Marshy has four. Marshawn will get on that list before his career is over, but yeah, it's it's Bergeron. Damn. People forget how offensively inclined Patrice Bergeron is. He just like does whatever is needed. Right now, yeah, Bergeron he's... is so far ahead in every analytical category for the Selkie. Bergeron is having his best offensive season of his career. So let's let's chill with the Bergeron retirement talk. He sees that. He knows. Like yeah, that's the thing. Like like Bergeron, he's not. A, he'll score when he needs to. But he's a passer. Like last night, he had a straight empty net. And what's he doing? Passing this to his teammates. So his teammate to get the goal. Like, even though they didn't score on it. But yeah, I also just like I look to it and like Patrice Bergeron will pick it up when it's time. And it's that like I don't, I have no worries about that. When it is time, Patrice Bergeron will kick it. And he's playing great. I mean, offensively, he'll kick it up. Patrice Bergeron scores when the Bruins need goals. It's that simple. Right, and it's like Bergeron, he'll hang it up when he's ready. He's not going to listen to anyone. Yeah, he's not going to hurt the team. No, no. He I, knows what he needs to do. I don't, so, I don't worry about any of those things. I really don't. Yeah, don't fall into the hype, guys. Don't. So we got we got a little fun thing coming up. Before we give you our, our parlay of the week, because I have a good parlay this week, we're going to give you a little quick word from our show sponsor and friends of Inside the Rink, BetUS. BetUS has your NHL, NBA, UFC, PGA, and yes, NFL betting lines for their 27th year of live betting. Sign up for BetUS.com with promo code RINK for a 125% sign-up bonus. Again, use code RINK, that's R-N-K, for an 125% sign-up bonus. Play with the proven mainstay in the industry. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. BetUS.com. Kevin, do I ever have a parlay for you and for the listeners this week? It is tomorrow night. Listen to this one. Listen to this one. Are you ready? Yeah. You ready? I think I already know it. What is it? Guess it. Maple Leafs, Capitals, Predators. Maple Leafs, Capitals, Oilers, Predators. Ooh. Maple Leafs. We won't go that far, though. It actually, I, I had Maple Leafs, Capitals, Oilers. I didn't think about the Preds, but I actually. If you want to get, if you want to take it a little safer, no, I think I think I like all four. I don't know, man. Those Canadians last I night. Know, the I flames. know, I know, I know. The Canadians didn't pick it up. You know what? This is going to be our parlay. We're going to go a two-team parlay just to keep it safe and to guarantee a win here. We're going to go Capitals, Predators. You like that? Caps, Preds. Yeah. Because the Leafs goaltending has been. We're going to get into it. We're going to go Caps, Preds. So the official parlay of the week is going to be Capitals, Predators. And that gets us into our next section. Something we're going to bring back. We've been a little, we've been a little lapsed on it. And the team of the week, team spotlight of the week that we're going to look at. Who are we looking at this week, Kev? The um, Toronto Maple Leafs. So the Toronto Maple Leafs are currently sitting in third in the Atlantic Division. I think the Bruins are going to catch them. The Bruins are one. They're two. Two. uh, Sorry, four points back. They have one game. Toronto has one game in hand. Toronto's last couple games, they gave up five goals to the Sabres. They and gave they up, scored one. Yep. They gave up seven goals to the Red Wings, even though they scored ten. They gave dude, up that game goals was... to the Caps. Insane. Like their their goal. I remember I texted five them, to dude. the Canadians, six to the Blues. Listen to these numbers. It is getting like a fire drill in Toronto. Toronto's goaltending was elite to the all-star break. 
Jack Campbell went to Vegas. Something shook up his brain, and he has not been good since he came back. Yeah. He has been one of the worst goalies in the league since he went back, and he's a guy I like. I like Campbell. He's such a wholesome dude. That's but, why you don't do crack, kids. Don't yeah. do crack. Yeah, I like Campbell. I like Campbell's soup, but, like, really, like, I don't know. Like, it's like he got the Vegas flu when he was there for the All-Star game, and he's came back, and it has not been the same. And Toronto's still winning games. They're still winning games, but they're losing some games they shouldn't lose, right? If you look at their last little grouping here, they almost lost the Red Wings. They won 10-7. to 7. That's just an insane offensive output. But you right, see, so lost to the Sabres. If they're not putting up, like, five-plus goals, they're, they're going to lose. And it's crazy. Like, you can't expect that to happen in the playoffs. So I, I really, like, I look at this team, and it's a team that I was very confident in uh, a few months ago. Like, I was like, this really is going to be Toronto's year to get out of the first round of the playoffs. And guess what? I'm completely changing my mind. If Toronto cannot figure out what's going on with their goaltending, if they can get Jack Campbell back to the way he was playing pre-All-Star break, leading into him becoming an All-Star, the Toronto Maple Leafs are a legit contender for the first time in our lifetimes. I really feel that way. Like, I think they have all the pieces to go out and win. If Jake Muzzin comes back and can be healthy, they really can do it. They really can do it. But you have to just take a look at this, and it's like from top to bottom, right? They're... They have so much talent. Matthews has 68 points. Marner has 57. Tavares has 50. Nylander has 49. Morgan Riley has 44. Michael Bunting, their rookie with 42 points, who we're barely mentioning in any rookie conversations because he's 26, but he has 19 goals and 23 assists. This Toronto Maple Leafs team is good. They have a revitalized Andre Kasha with 23 points. They have the pieces you need to win. They really do. But if their goaltending can't wake up, it is going to be donezo, donezo for them. Let me just go through. So, like, Campbell's last couple games, we're looking at one of the – so, against – it's just been bad. <laughs> like, it's been bad. Like, he got pulled. So, Campbell got what? Pulled against Detroit, pulled against Columbus? I don't know if that's legit. I'm just trying to go through these goalie stats. I don't really understand what I'm looking at. But he has had a tough little stretch here. His goals against average has been in the eights. It's been rough. And I hope nothing more than he gets it back together, but – Toronto Maple Leafs are in a weird spot. And if I'm the Leafs of the trade deadline, though, I'm probably staying put because unless you can get a shutdown defenseman or something like that, but you just made a pretty decent trade getting rid of um, Nick Ritchie and getting Lebushkin or whatever his name is, another another Ruski. Uh, they call him the Russian Bear, the defenseman from uh, the Coyotes, who is – he's a big shutdown defenseman. So I, I like where the Leafs are at. And if I'm a Leafs fan – I'm not down in this season at all, right? Like, I'm just hoping our goaltending can find stride and get moving because they're, the talent is as – the top-end talent's higher than any other team, right? Yeah, no, I agree. Especially on offense. Like, it's nuts. Like, as our – I mean, as our local really, like, gambler more than more than me, um, what – you've watched more Leaf games than I have this year. How do you feel about them? I'm not going to say I watched more. I watched that one against Detroit. But, no, I was just saying, like, what I was saying, like, you can't expect, like, if that offense is on, good luck stopping it. Oh, yeah, anybody. You can just score at will. It's stupid. Like, Mitch Marner, when he's going, William Nylander, like, they want to score. Right. Like, they're going to find the back of the net. But if you can't stop goals, you can't win. 
it's just it's not fair to put that on a set of talent offense. Go out and score me five or six goals every game, <laughs> and so hope hard. that it's so hope hard. that your goalie stops four, and it's like or not yeah. give up four. It's like come on, there I, has to I be agree. some give and take on it. I agree. I, I think Toronto's in a weird spot. I I actually think the Bruins are going to pass them. I think one team's elevating, one team's kind of going in the opposite direction. I, I think the Bruins could move all the way up to the second place. We're, we're only three games back from Tampa. So I'm pretty happy with what I see there. I mean, on every angle, I guess it always goes back into the Bruins. But Maple Leafs are an interesting team. I will be honest with you, though. I don't want to play the Maple Leafs in the first round of the playoffs. Even though our history has been so good with them, I think they're still super talented. Like, or Would you be confident the Bruins beat the Maple Leafs? Um. Jack Campbell's being Jack Campbell right now. Then yeah, he... I know. I guess you're right. Like, wait, who would we rather play? It's just, I don't know. I guess I would rather play Tampa. I wouldn't want to play Tampa. Absolutely not. Tampa's still the team that scares me the most out of any of them. It's just Kucherov and Stamkos are, and Hedman are very good at hockey. And Even though they got smoked last night by the Penguins. but I saw that. But, yeah, I mean, they're still a good team. John Cooper got tossed out in the second period, huh? Oh my god, that was so funny to watch. What happened? Like, what was what happened? I didn't. I saw like so a video. Dude, the whole, dude, the whole brawl. Like, um, one of the Lightning guys came in, tried to score on Tristan um, Jari, and there's a whole scrum. Like, Jari, like he watched the video, and Jari just like had the guy, and he's like pushing him onto the ground, and there's a whole scrum. Like the whole teams just freaking, but Jari's right in the middle, just. Boom, pushing the guys and shoving them right into the ice. That's so funny. And, he's just and yeah, and then John Cooper's just like on the side, just swearing and pointing. And next thing you know, the ref's like, you're out of here. And Cooper's like, yeah, I guess number four didn't like what I said. And next thing you know, just he pointed his arm, number four. Yeah, get out of here. That's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I mean, Cooper's probably my favorite coach in the NHL, to be honest. So he's like, yeah, I, I mean, he is my favorite coach in the NHL from every interview I've heard with him for just everything you hear about him um, and his success rate. I, Sean Cooper would be my number one coach to ever get for the Boston Bruins. It's not going to happen, but I definitely, I like everything about Coop. Um, let's get into a little award talk though. We already, we touched on the Calder, so I don't really know if we'll jump into that. I think my Calder pick right now, it's just, I really don't know. Like it's bouncing between Maurice Sider Lucas Raymond and Trevor Zegris. I, I don't, I think top end talent goes to Zegris. NHL readiness and ability to change the game probably goes to Maurice Sider. And overall play probably goes to Lucas Raymond. You know what I mean? So like, it's, it's weird. Like all three of them have a different quality that, that makes them deserving of the call there. And, you know, then you look at a guy like Jeremy Swayman, who's also deserving and a guy like Michael Bunting, who could win this trophy. I hate that a 26-year-old has a chance to win the trophy. Yeah, no, that's... He's considered a rookie by two days. Two days. His birthday, if he's two days older, not a rookie. So that's Jesus. tough. You know, that's, that's the biggest thing. If you, like, if you go on Inside the Rink and read Kevin's Caller Trophy article, They're then you'll see that's the biggest thing. Is like It talks about his age, and that's... But, yeah, he's leading everyone in goals, but then again, how do you give it to a, a 26-year-old rookie? Like... It's tough. It's tough. But well, I mean, they did Panarin. Like, Panarin won. Panarin won it at like twenty four or twenty five, I think. But yeah, he's rushing. He was so top end. Yeah. Um, Hart Trophy. 
No. <laughs> no poo in time. Heart trophy. Heart trophy. <laughs> who's who's getting your heart trophy right now? Um, right now, Matthews. I have really? to with Matthews. Really? Like, yeah, I just think so. The whole thing we see is like the storylines um attached with it all. And it's just what Matthews has going with his goal scoring and just where he has Toronto. Like, yeah, McDavid and Leon Jot Seidel are up there, but the Oilers may not even win, may not even make the playoffs if they keep this up. So I feel it's hard to give it like, yeah, like Dry Seidel's having one of the best offensive seasons you can have, but it's not translating everything. I mean, the Oilers are surely not guaranteed a playoff spot. Like, no, I know. So I'm saying it all comes down to if the Oilers make the playoffs, then yeah, McDavid and Dry Seidel. They could win it. Like the the Kings are in second place, Flames are in first, they're in third, but they're tied for they're tied for third with the Golden Knights, and they're only two games ahead of the Ducks, <clears throat> and they're really only two games ahead of the Canucks. So like, it's not like everything's wide open in that side. And then you look for really the wild card spot. The the Stars are a point behind them. The Preds are tied. Like it's not the the West is as open as ever. Yeah, it's crazy. So the thing with – I don't agree with you. Matthews is not my heart pick. Um, but Austin Matthews' defensive numbers are better this year than they've been any year of his career. There's something to be said for that. There is for how much he's outputting. My pick for MVP, the player that means the most to his team's success, Jonathan Huberdeau. Florida is not where they are without Huberdeau. I know they have Barkov, but they are simply not where they are without Huberdeau. He has 75 points playing down in Florida. He's yeah. one of the guys who willed that team forward. But the he's thing just, with Huberdeau, though, is... He's just not as big of a name to you. That's why you don't... No, no. Okay. The biggest thing against him, though, is he only has 18 goals. I know, but it's... So the I get the assists and the team. points are there and everything, but it's like, how do you give it to a guy that may not even have half as many goals as your top leading scorers? Or because he generates... Three of the other guys on this list are going to be scoring 40, 50, 60 goals. How many goals did Taylor have in his MVP... Taylor Hall have in his MVP season? I, I guess um, that's a bad argument. He had 39. But yeah. still. <laughs> so no, if you read, so I will have a hard trophy article coming out today for you guys to read about all the odds. And that's what I said. If Huberto can make it over 30 goals, he has a chance. And he's sitting at, I think, plus 750 odds right now. So that's the thing. It comes down to if he can increase that goal scoring. Like, yes, I know he has the points. But then if you look at it, McDavid and Drysdale. They have more points than them. They have more goals. It's just, it's tough. It's a tough argument. Yeah, that's fine. Fine. It's going to come down to perspective of all of who's voting. And that's the same thing with Shesterkin. He's right up there for the heart, but how do you give it to a goalie who's not, who's only playing 60% of the start for his team with the last two guys that played, that won it, were Gary Price and uh, another Canadian goalie nah, back in the 2001. He's played 34 games. Like, I I have trouble saying that's not enough. I mean, he's going to be over half the games. Like, goalies split games now. Like the, no, I know, but I'm saying when Carey Price won, he was playing – he played started more than 80% yeah, but I, of the games. No one does that anymore. Like, I mean, like, look at Swayman's played 24 games. He's not, like, that far behind, really. Like, I don't – No, I know, but that's what makes it hard compared to these guys, these forwards that are playing every night. You know no, what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah he's like, having a crazy season, but is it MVP worthy? Yeah, like you look at, but, yeah, but like Markstrom's played 43 games. 
and he's like very much in that. Like I don't. I wouldn't say Markstrom's gonna is a heart trophy guy though, but oh wait, heart. I thought we were talking about the Vesna. No, I'm talking about the heart. Oh, oh, you were talking about Shesterkin for the heart. Yeah, because he's. I mean, I know there. people are talking about him for. That. He has a plus seven hundred odds. For I know, him. I know. He, I mean, he has been dominant, but no, 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 no. Yeah, I think he definitely. I thought you meant for the Vesna. No. No, that's a whole other conversation. What are you like, talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, no, I would no, not I argue against a guy that has a 946. No, 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 no. I agree. And like 26 Yeah, if you're going to win the MVP as a goalie, you need to have played more than – no, I agree. I agree with yeah. that 100%. We'll get into some more awards next week. We'll get into the Norris and things like that. Um, trade deadline, we've kind of bounced around on it. I, I still don't really – nothing's too set in stone, which is weird. Like a lot of the guys I thought were going to move haven't moved yet. I think Claude Giroux is definitely going to move. Um Thomas Hurdle, I, I don't think he's going to move anymore. JT Miller, they're starting to push. I really don't think they're going to move him. I don't know. Jake DeBrusque's going to move. Those are the guys who I think are going to move. I, I mean, I want to do some more in-depth research over this week and kind of get back with a trade deadline next week, kind of a primer, and then we'll really hit it hard um, probably that day. We'll probably do a recording on the 21st. No yeah, one day, thing I've heard the name possible to the Bruins is Andrew Kopp. From yeah, Winnipeg. good player. Andrew Kopp's a good player. Um, there was one time he went on spit and chicklets, and Biz had no idea that he was like, he was like talking to him like it was like his first year in the NHL, and like he had scored twenty goals for like two straight years. And Biz was like, at, like Biz thought he was like a guy who was like up and down. It was one of the funniest things ever. <laughs> like, or not like he didn't score. I mean, he had scored like eleven goals, ten goals, fifteen, thirteen, and it was like last year. Biz was like, "So how is it like going up and down?" The guy had scored ten goals and eleven goals in his last two half seasons, which is so funny. <laughs> like, it was funny, but Andrew Cobb's a good player. He'd be a good. But where does he fit in? He's a third liner. Like, is it? Yeah, he's really not a second liner. I don't. I don't know. Like, I think it's weird because, like, Hollis played okay, but we did a second-line center and a top-four defenseman. That's what we need. So, if we go and do that, I'll be happy. But I think we got to kind of pivot away from hockey, and we didn't do it last week, but we should do it here. I think we just from Q the Duck Boats want to give our thoughts and prayers to the people of Ukraine. Um, we I didn't think over, like, a lot of our episodes, Kevin and I have made a lot of, like, Russian jokes and a lot of, like, Putin jokes and stuff like that. But we, like – we absolutely condemn everything going on in Ukraine. And I mean, we, I, I don't really think there's much else to say other than just Putin is a terrible human. And we hope that everything ends as soon as possible peacefully. And um, that's it for that. I Normally we do our wrap up, we give our podcast, but I think we just, we give our socials, but I think we just end it right there. We ended on prayers for Ukraine and um, have a good weekend and good week, everybody. Adios, everyone.